what primary 2020 meant, and what fights lay ahead. I'm Jarrett Murphy from CityLimits.org. And this is Ben Max from Gotham Gazette. How are you doing today, Jarrett? I'm doing all right. You know, it's it's been a while since we've been on the air together. It feels like reunited, and it feels so good, you know? And I hate to um, bring you down from that uh, wonderful <laughs> feeling and, and that of our listeners, who I'm sure are happy to have us together. But this will be the last one for a few weeks where we're together with the, the summer in full swing. We've got some weeks where we're alternating coming up. So everyone, yeah. including yourself, less so me, uh, enjoy this, uh, the, the duo and, uh, and we'll have a great, sh- we'll have a great show today. <laughs> yes, 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 exactly. Um, speaking of today's show, why don't, um, I tell folks who we've got coming up. We'll be joined by Sean Donovan, who is a former Obama administration official, former Bloomberg administration official, and he is very actively considering a run for New York City mayor in the 2021 election. So we will be joined by Sean Donovan to discuss both his resume and his vision for New York City and what he's considering as he decides whether to officially jump in the race, although all signs point to him doing so. He's raised a bunch of money. And Sean Donovan, thanks for joining us here with Jared Murphy from City Limits. Hey, Ben and Garrett. It's great to be with you. Excellent. Well, thanks for, for joining us. And, you know, as we ask virtually every person running for anything on the show, uh, tell us your elevator pitch. You meet a, meet a person on the street. Uh, we know you're, you're not officially announced as a candidate yet, but you are considering it. Uh, tell us what you're considering and why. Well, you know, I grew up in New York City in the 1970s and 80s. And I remember that moment as what I thought was going to be the worst thing I'd ever see in New York City. Uh, The Bronx was literally burning, walking past homeless people on the streets to school. And it was really what awoken me, uh, uh, urge to be a public servant. I went into work in, in homelessness and housing and neighborhoods. And Today, we find ourselves at an even more perilous moment for the future of this city that I love. And so I believe that what I bring to this race is both a broad, progressive vision that is more comprehensive, more far-reaching than any of the other candidates, but I also bring a track record that says I can actually get those progressive things done. I believe that I will be the candidate that can make the city work for everyone. And uh, I'd love to talk to you more about it. Great. So why don't we um, pick up from there a little bit? Okay. So you've got somebody's attention with, with a few initial thoughts there saying, um, you know, you have a progressive vision and you, you've got the experience and the know-how to, to put it into action more so than other candidates in the field. What are a couple things people are interested? They say, all right, well, Tell, tell me a couple of highlights of what you've actually done. What do you start with? What's at the top of your list in terms of things on your resume that you think are most relevant to perhaps taking over leading the city? Well, first and foremost, as, as we think about New York City facing this moment of really twin crises, um, I just first go to the fact that Barack Obama asked me in a moment of the worst housing crisis in our lifetimes to become his housing secretary. And I worked aggressively with people in New York City and across the country 
to try to undo the damage and, and to rebuild communities after that crisis. But he also asked me, because of my work on Katrina and so many other natural disasters around the country, to lead the federal rebuilding process after Sandy hit New York and the entire region. Um, just three weeks into the president asking me to lead the work on the $4 trillion federal budget as budget director, uh, Ebola hit. And I had to get deeply involved in issues, everything from contact tracing and all the words that have become far too familiar with, to us now, um, as well as thinking more broadly about how do we build an infrastructure for global health security? How do we make sure that a pandemic like this uh, doesn't uh, have the kind of devastating impacts that, it, that it's having? And I'm literally in a room at the White House training, trying to train the Trump folks about a pandemic two weeks before President Trump took over. And it's very clear that they haven't learned those lessons. And so in so many different ways, in so many different types of crises that are similar to what we're facing now, um, President Obama asked me to lead those responses for the country and for New York City, as with Sandy. And um, that really is unique. There's no one else in the race that has that depth of experience and, and vision that I do to help lead the city back from this moment of peril. So uh, it's a it's a long and impressive resume. I think you would probably struggle to get it onto a single page, even with like very small font. Uh, but one other part <laughs> of it, and, and, and a way that you were certainly introduced to, to many of our listeners, I'm sure, was prior to your service under President Obama as HUD secretary and then as director of uh, USOMB, you were the city's housing commissioner under Mayor uh, Bloomberg. And in discussing your prospects as a potential candidate for mayor, folks have wondered about that uh, association because the the last kind of big mayoral change election we had in 2013 was in many ways seen as a, uh, a repudiation of Mayor Bloomberg. Uh, I don't know if you subscribe to that interpretation, but talk about your service to Mayor Bloomberg and, and that era. What do you take away from that as positive and part of your political pedigree? And where do you think the city has has evolved from 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 that mayor? Well, look, I Mike and I didn't agree on everything, but what I will say is Mike was a very strong leader and a great manager. And if you look at his track record in areas like health, for example, where the life expectancy of New Yorkers went up more than under any uh, previous mayor. If you look at issues like climate change, where we were a global leader, or, or getting guns off the street, um, there were some very, very strong uh, aspects of what Mike did as as mayor. And, and more broadly, I think uh, the idea that we need a mayor who really understands what will make the city work day to day, how to manage it, how to hire people that will, will lead. Uh, I learned a lot from him and I'm, and I, I'm a big data guy and I, I believe in innovation and so many of the, the lessons that I learned there. What I will say though, is I think what distinguishes me is that I am a progressive who has actually gotten progressive things done. Whether you look at, 
reducing homelessness uh, by a third for families across the country when I led the homeless strategy for President Obama, reducing veterans homelessness, in, uh, cutting it in half over that period. Or you look at things like, you know, being the first cabinet secretary in history to endorse marriage equality. If you look at uh, just just read President Trump's tweets right now when he's tweeting against fair housing and and saying that uh, Biden is going to destroy the suburbs of America. He's making a racist appeal. And the example he took, the one thing that he held up that he was going to change that happened under President Obama was my work, the work I did to really go after structural racism in the way our communities are designed and built. Um, I put real teeth into the 1968 Fair Housing Act in a way that no prior HUD secretary had ever done. And President Trump is attacking me uh, for that work now. And so I think on racial equity, on homelessness, on LGBTQ issues, on so many clear progressive priorities, I'm someone who doesn't just talk the talk, I walk the walk. So so let's stick with housing. Uh, that's obviously been a huge part of your uh, work at both the city and federal levels. Um, and it's such a top concern, of course, in the city, whether it's homelessness, affordable housing, NYCHA, uh, which we certainly want to get to in a few minutes, more on public housing. But but keeping public housing aside for a second, let's, let's um, stick with fair housing and the idea of uh, housing integration and how obviously it often also connects to school integration. What is New York City? Let's let's bring it home here. If you're you know uh, thinking about leading this city and, and wanting to make a pitch to voters, what does New York City need to do differently on housing development, housing um, policy to create a more integrated city and a more affordable city? Well, look. Let's just start with the fact that. Housing, where where you live, the neighborhood that you live in, is the central issue that decides so many other things about your life. Unfortunately, in this country, you can predict a child's life chances. You can even predict their life expectancy by the zip code that they grow up in. And that's, that's un-American, and it's just wrong. And it really gets to this history I was just talking about of, of redlining and government-sponsored segregation and discrimination that President Trump wants to take us back to. And, and why is that important? Because when you choose a place to live, you, as you said, you choose where your kids go to school. You choose access to jobs, as, as we're seeing in the pandemic. You choose whether your kids and your family are going to be healthy or not, whether it's overcrowding or asthma or, or so many other issues that come with housing. And so this is such a central issue. The affordability is key in New York, but but the way we create our neighborhoods, build those neighborhoods is absolutely central as well. And I've, I've been a leader on that, not just in New York, but working with mayors across the country. And I can bring the best ideas, the, breath, the best ways to try to make sure that we're building more integrated neighborhoods where we can make sure that black and brown people can stay in New York. Gentrification has been a huge challenge uh, for so the city what, what over are, the last what, 10 years under this mayor. What are a couple of, what are one Sorry? or two of those, what are one or two of those tools or ideas? I mean, it, that's, you know, that's obviously a lot of important 
um, discussion of, of the problems and the stakes. But what is, I mean, yeah. under both Mayor Bloomberg and Mayor de Blasio, you know, the, the affordability crisis has been uh, terrible in the city and not much has changed in terms of how segregated the neighborhoods are. Well, we, we did make progress under under Mayor Bloomberg. We had the most aggressive housing plan in the country, but I think we need to go significantly farther than that. And so one is we, we have to invest more. The federal government has to invest more. And I've been on the phone with leaders in Congress over the last few weeks trying to make sure that as part of this next COVID bill that we get a major, major investment, over $100 billion, hopefully, in housing assistance. That has to include an investment in public housing. And, and so we have, to, we have to be clear that we simply don't put enough resources into housing and homelessness as well. It's why we see a record level of homelessness in the city right now. Second, we need to rethink and reimagine land use. We have to make sure that as we are creating uh, growth in this city, thinking about how we make sure we're bringing, especially at a time of record uh, unemployment, how we're bringing more jobs and housing to the city, we have to make sure that affordable housing comes first. And that comes with, I think, a much more specific, more aggressive way of using zoning in the city uh, for affordability. And then we have to make sure that we're doing everything we can to protect residents and to preserve the existing affordable housing that we have. Uh, strengthening the rent laws was one step, but there are many, many other things that we can be doing. I made a major investment at, at HUD in housing counseling and legal services that can protect folks. And there's a lot more that we can be doing in the city to make sure that folks aren't being displaced, that we enforce the laws that we have, and we can be much more creative about how we preserve existing affordable housing. And I think NYCHA, public housing in the city is front and center. One in 14 New Yorkers live in public housing. It's a permanently affordable resource, a resource we can never replace in this city. And, and yet the city leaders have done far too little to make sure that that precious resource is preserved and improved. Let's talk about that because, yeah, NYCHA public housing, which you know houses well over 400,000 people, is a critical part of the city's affordable housing, even though it sometimes is talked of as like a separate entity. You worked for uh, HUD in a very high position, actually, in the latter part of the Clinton administration. Then, of course, again, under President Obama. A big part of NYCHA's problem is the uh, lagging in federal support, both on the capital side and the operating side. When you were in Washington helping make policy at HUD, what did you do to try to offset or reverse that, to try to uh, save public housing, primarily in New York City, where it's bigger than any other place, but but also nationwide? Well, First and foremost, literally within uh, weeks of getting into office, we passed the Recovery Act, and I made sure that there was a major investment, the, the biggest investment that we've made in decades in public housing in a one-time uh, investment that was included in that bill. And so that was a huge boon to NYCHA. And then I also fought for, as HUD secretary and then as budget director, increasing resources. And, and if you look back, when we had a Democratic Congress at the beginning of the uh, Obama administration, the combination of Recovery Act money and other investments was a huge boost uh, 
to NYCHA. I also made a whole range of decisions as HUD secretary, including federalizing a broad range of units that brought them even more resources. But, but ultimately, the issue is that HUD can provide resources, really fixing NYCHA has to be led by the mayor. And, and for too long, and this is not just true of, of Mayor de Blasio, but it's true of too many mayors in New York's history, they see NYCHA as a federal problem, as an issue for Washington to deal with. And so it hasn't ever really been included in the city's affordable housing plans. It hasn't received significant investments of city or state resources, and it hasn't been led in a way that is seen as integral. And, and as I said a moment ago, this is a resource, this is a, one of the most precious resources we have in the city. I was just uh, two nights ago with a public housing resident, a leader in public housing, sitting in his apartment, talking to him about the future of, uh, of, of NYCHA. And, and what I heard is, is real fear that despite the fact this is, you know, affordable housing, it is falling apart. You're literally seeing kids, whether it's getting asthma uh, from the mold in their apartments, we're, we're seeing uh, heat and, and hot water issues in the wintertime. All of these things are fixable. And I've worked with housing authorities across the country where there was strong local leadership to transform them. I know it can be done. I've, I've been part of Re, uh, revitalizing public housing around the country. But we need local leadership from the mayor on down that makes sure it's the priority that it deserves to be. So I have to restrain myself because when I have a, a former HPD commissioner and HUD, and HUD boss on the line, I could talk housing policy for like four or five days, but we only have a few more minutes. And I want to ask you about the crisis that's obviously very present now, COVID-19. Of course, we can we can critique and we will critique what what leaders have done to this point. But if you were mayor now, what would you be doing to protect the city, to restore its economy that Mayor de Blasio is not doing? Well, I think the first thing we see that has to be said is that in the moment of crisis, if you're starting to design your plans and figure out what to do, you're going to be too late. And, and I think one fundamental problem we're seeing is that the city just wasn't prepared. This mayor and the leadership in the city weren't prepared in the way that uh, we should have been. And, you know, I had this very profound experience, as I said earlier, three weeks into leading the, the budget and uh, the $4 trillion investments that the federal government makes for President Obama, Ebola hit. And while it was more distant from our shores, it had many of the same elements that we saw early on in COVID. Um, and the problem is we didn't ramp up quickly enough nationally or here in New York City, all of the kind of blocking and tackling the basics of communicable diseases. And that means the testing, the contact tracing, the quarantine, and we're paying for that now. We just did not have the plans in place locally, right? So that's what I would be doing as mayor is making sure we're preparing and fighting the immediate crisis. So obviously we have to scramble and go as hard as we can to get those things in place. We have the most remarkable hospitals in the world. And the idea that we haven't been able to get ahead of the testing problem is, is a huge problem. Fighting a disease like this 
you're, you're fighting with your eyes closed if you can't get the testing done and the, the contact tracing and the quarantine. So that's, that's one thing. But more broadly, what we need to be doing is making sure before we fully open the economy, before we get kids back to regular schooling, all of those steps, that we have uh, real safety, real plans, whether it be on the subways, uh, which I'm on uh, almost every day now, making sure that we're implementing all of the plans that will allow people, both native New Yorkers and those who would come to New York, to feel confident and comfortable going back to work, going back to school, and to be communicating those through health professionals, not politicians, that really can allow people to feel confident that, that those steps are in place. Sean Donovan, we have one more minute. I want to sneak in one more question. We appreciate your time here, and we look forward to having you back because uh, we already have a bunch of follow-up questions, I'm sure, for you from uh, things you've said, as Jared was mentioning about housing. But last question, um, and forgive me if I have to cut you off in a minute, but um, you have to be watching as you're considering you know, fully jumping into this race and announcing your candidacy. You have to be watching what's happening in the Democratic Party, the primaries that we just had, uh, You know, the sort of – progressive left that seems to be ascendant and what's happening with a lot of incumbents. Can you just give us a little bit of a, of a picture of sort of how you plan to straddle that divide that seems to be happening in the Democratic Party to appeal to voters and, you know, try to win this primary next year? It seems like a very challenging thing to do to not sort of pick uh, the left lane or the moderate lane. So, what I would say that is absolutely right. I think there is a progressive surge in this country and we're seeing enormously exciting young talent um, rise to the surface to win races that nobody expected them to win. And I think that's great. We need new voices in New York City. We need new voices in Congress. At the same time, we also see deep frustration with the mayor and with, frankly, too many elected officials who put politics before people. And so what I would say is I'm going to run as the person with the most uh, comprehensive, progressive vision. And, and as I said earlier, I have the track record to show that I've actually gotten those things done in a way that nobody else will. And so I, I think what you'll see is New Yorkers Yes, they want a progressive mayor. They're also tired of politics coming before people. And I'm going to be I'm going to show New Yorkers that I'm a public servant, not a politician. And that's for 30 years. I've been at the front lines of housing and homelessness and neighborhoods and racial justice. And that's what they're going to see in my candidacy. All right. We're going to leave it there. Sean Donovan, we appreciate the time. And we'll, of course, uh, have you back, assuming you're moving forward in this campaign, which it sounds like you are. Uh, thanks. Thanks again for joining us. And we'll talk to you soon. Jared, ben and Jared, it's great to be with you. 